Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Shulman, and I am a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business and the founding director of the Product Management Center, which is really developing a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. And we are here, among quite a few other things, we are here every single week to discuss how to succeed in product management. And each week we have a different topic. And today's topic is fitting because the Product Management Center is currently accepting nominations for inclusive product management champions. Product managers who are developing a more diverse or an inclusive world, either through what they do as product managers, so building inclusive products, or through their service to the community. And Sumeya, I've been pumping you up, and I think some nominations should start rolling in soon. Hopefully everybody will Google inclusive product management champions and nominate their favorite product leaders who are really pushing for a more inclusive world. Or they could, as you said last week, Sumeya, they could be inclusive and nominate anybody. We we love (laughs) nominations. We want to know who's inspiring you. And we've had some awesome people here on this show, some amazing speakers. So I think we have a really good list of options. Yeah, so nominate anybody who has inspired you by their work to develop a more diverse and inclusive future. And speaking of which, we have a chief product officer from Providence Health who is here to talk about inclusive leadership. And so perhaps maybe you'll nominate her. So Pooja, thank you so much for joining us today. And just do you mind quickly sharing a little bit about yourself and how your career that's led you to be chief product officer? Sure. Thanks for having me here, Jeff. And it's great to be talking to the community. So, you know, so just talking about my journey, right? I actually believe that I've been a pseudo product manager for about 10 years. I, of course, have started as an engineer, but like soon after I've been in these conversations where I really wanted to understand on like how our decisions made. But, you know, my true journey in commercial product actually started in September 2015 when I joined Amazon AWS as a product manager after my MBA. I've spent last six years at Alexa Smart Home, where we've built and launched both hardware and software products. And I have grown from an IC to manager and manager of managers. And currently, as a chief product officer at Providence for their virtual care division, I'm looking at scaling different aspects of the business such that it reaches escape velocity. So that's been my journey in a nutshell. All right, Pooja, thank you for joining us today. And also thank you for volunteering to be a speaker, a distinguished speaker at the Inclusive Product Management Summit happening May 20th. So two for the price of one, people can get hear from you today and then again on the May 20th. Red, you're here every week. You co-founded the Product Management Center as an advisory board member, building it from the ground up. Tell people how they can get involved in today's conversation and, and get their questions answered from our expert here on inclusive leadership. Absolutely, Jeff. Thank you. So for those who haven't uh, heard my voice, my name is Red. I am lucky to be one of the founding advisory board members for the Product Management Center at University of Washington. That is a mouthful, but ultimately, I'm just really excited to be part of a journey of helping making the world of product management more inclusive for everyone everywhere. And to be living in Seattle knowing UW is doing that, let's go dogs. Let's go. So how you can get involved? For one, we have a Slack channel. And unlike a lot of the other Slack groups that you might be joining, this one is not monetized. There are no recruiters here. They're actively selling themselves. This is a place where you can safely come and ask for help. I'm putting a link here on Clubhouse, but if you're someone who's out there listening to our podcast, which is the second thing we do is record tonight's show and put it out there for the airwaves. So if anyone couldn't make it tonight to be inclusive of and respectful of everyone's time, we record tonight's conversation and ultimately make it available on your local podcasting station of choice. If you want to join the Slack group and you're listening to that podcast, just ping me. You can throw a stone my way. You can 
maybe a carrier pigeon. I don't know how you want to get a hold of me. Maybe Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever the choice is, we are here to give you an option to join this group and ultimately to get the support or give the support back to the community. And finally, we will open up the stage for questions in about 25 minutes. So if you're somebody who has something they'd like to add or better, has something they'd like to learn and we can have the opportunity to do that live here tonight, please DM me or just raise your hand in 25 minutes when we open up the stage and know that we are here to help you succeed. Back to you, Jeff. All right, Red, I love your energy. And also, I love the fact that you brought Sumeya into the mix. And we have not just Pooja here, but we have another product executive who is an expert in inclusive leadership. Sumeya, thank you for joining us every single week and your superpower telling everybody whether they're aspiring product managers or product managers for 10 years, 20 years, why today's conversation is important. Why is it important for everybody to know about inclusive leadership? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I think this is an important topic. We can never discuss it enough because every time I talk to practitioners and people who put this subject, I learn something new. And the world is full of people that we don't necessarily know about or empathize with enough. So I, I, these opportunities of conversation, of understanding, of caring are always helpful. In today's topic, you know, beyond the the fact that we're having this great conversations with fellow practitioners and with Pooja here is important for two reasons. One, I think there is not enough awareness in a lot of fields uh, or in a lot of industries about what does it mean to be inclusive when building products? I think a lot of us narrow focus narrowly on specific personas and users at maybe the expense of others when it doesn't actually have to be a zero sum game. Uh, so in today's conversation, I think we can talk about some of that nuance and what does it mean to be inclusive from day one, from you know the way you build your team, the way you work together, the way you set goals, and then ultimately the way you build products. Because all of that means you are a great leader, you are an inclusive leader. So I'm excited to hear about ideas, things that have worked, because I do believe even when you look at the research, there isn't a lot yet of what has been proven to work well. But, uh, you know, people who have been doing this for a while or who care about this, there's a lot to learn there. So excited to talk about this. All right. Sumeya and Red are here every single week. Their enthusiasm is infectious. And now, Pooja, I'm curious, what does inclusive leadership mean to you? Like, what are people getting into by listening to us to this next 50 minutes? Yeah, I think to me, like it's it's kind of an inherent, it's kind of how you develop that inherent habit such that you continue to value team members, you invite diverse perspective and create an atmosphere where people feel their opinions and contributions are valued and have an impact. And I think the first thing that matters, especially for product managers, is to give everybody else the stage. So I'll, I want to give an example from my Amazon time where, you know, we had this UX researcher who was like very passionate about accessibility. And that person very often brought in like accessibility studies. And when we started leveraging her recommendations, we only not only like made our product better, but like the customer feedback that we got was really awesome. But then what made it even more important was that this UX researcher felt that she was being valued, she was being heard, and that she made an impact. So I think it's not only about listening, but it's also about implementing many of the perspectives, many of the things that you hear. And I think that's really important in inclusive leadership, specifically in product management. Sumeya, anything to add, dispute or agree on? I think... What I love about what Pooja said is that as a leader, she's modeling this, she's showing up for this every day, and inclusiveness is important to her. Yeah, I think there we can we can break that down further into how does that show up in everything from hiring to building products to measuring what matters, aligning business goals, etc. 
All right. So Sumaya, you just dropped a, a huge food for thought there, huge care basket, <laughs> care package of food for thought of where do we want to go with this conversation? Pooja, of all those, if we could be spontaneous and agile here, of all those things that Sumaya mentioned, empowerment, measuring what matters and, and all these things, which areas do you think are, are most critical and where would you want to dive in next? Yeah, I think like perhaps like, you know, building a diverse workforce, I think like is an area that, you know, I'm very passionate about. Uh, If it's okay, why don't we dive into that topic? Because unless you have a diverse workforce, everything else becomes secondary. Sumeya, any comments on, on that? I would love to start there. I think that says a lot about the organization building the products, working with the customers, the way it shows up says a lot about whether it actually believes in and acts on these ideals of inclusivity that we all talk about. So yeah, great place to start. And so I want to I want to be contrarian and I'm I'm not an expert I'm a, on my learning journey and I'm hungry to learn more, but it feels to me that if you don't have inclusive leadership first, that it's going to be harder and harder to recruit a diverse workforce because more people come in, they feel devalued, and then they leave, and then they tell other people not to come because they'll feel devalued. So is recruiting a diverse workforce first on the priorities of an organization, or do you want to first create an inclusive environment for whoever you have and then start working on bringing more diverse perspectives into the room? Pooja, any comment or thoughts on my take there? Yeah, yeah, I think it, it has to go in parallel right because recruiting building a building a team building a pipeline of talent that you want to bring in it all like needs for a leader it all happens in parallel right a lot of the time you inherit a team a lot of the times you build a team from scratch so it just depends upon what life cycle of the management journey you're in however i do agree with your point that you yourself need to be inclusive before you even start think about you know hiring that inclusive workforce and then the table stake there is that incul- that you should have the ability to inculcate that culture within the team that you bring in and i think that's definitely important i see what you are doing there jeff <laughs> i i see some of that nuance of you know do you have the values or the, yeah, the cultural values that value inclusivity first, or do you hire the people who are going to create that culture for you? Is that part of what you were thinking of? Yeah, I mean, that's a fair question as well, yeah. Well, I think if your values don't reflect that, then you're not going to be able to hire the right people. So when we think about implicit bias and sometimes explicit too, if you don't understand what are your red lines, then your culture is just as your worst habits. What I mean by that, John Amici, a great organizational psychologist, has the saying that your values are basically, at the end of the day, are the worst things you allow to happen in your culture. And so if you allow people to discriminate implicitly or explicitly, even if it's not stated that you're allowing it, but uh, let's say you have hiring managers who continuously not hire in an inclusive manner, then that's actually your culture. And so the question is, should you as a bubble continue hiring into that culture, trying to influence it that way, or work on changing or transforming those values and cleaning up house first. And, and I agree with Pooja, you know, if I was to reduce this whole argument down to that question, that you should be doing both in parallel with the expectation that you're transparent with the talent you're hiring, that these are the challenges we're facing. This is the situation. These are the, the things you should be expecting to see, but we're working on it. The worst thing that could happen is you bring people in who expect the culture to be a certain way, but then in reality, it's not. That aligns with, we had Chris Peterson, one of the most winning football coaches in history, or at least at UW. He gave a great quote. Uh, He said, if you permit it, you promote it. And so that's similar to what you said, Sumay, about letting 
the worst things that happen, that part becomes your culture. And so if you permit it, you promote it. If somebody sees somebody getting away with a certain behavior or not bringing in certain perspectives, then others see that that's, that's okay and might follow as well. Jeff, I want to highlight one scientific paper. So the reason why I bring, it, I bring up research in this topic a lot only because I think there is a lot of skepticism still in people's minds around it. But there is this one research paper by Campbell and Browsers that shows that 80% of discrimination is perpetrated by 20% of people in a, in a certain environment or culture. And that essentially also says that the other 80% are implicitly silent or supportive. And so, you know, I know it's a little bit of a pessimistic outlook at it, but within any environment or a culture or a company, that's exactly what we are. We're either <laughs> active participants or passive promoters, like you said. So Pooja, sorry, I know you wanted to talk about recruiting a diverse workforce, but now I want to get back into some of the things we've talked about and what this inclusive leadership. What are some things that you know, you would call upon other leaders who are, you know, managers of product managers to create an inclusive environment for teams to do the best work and really push your objectives forward. Yeah, that's a great point. I think like as a leader or leader of leaders, I think the first and foremost uh, thing that is important is giving them enough opportunities for collaboration. It doesn't matter like, you know, what it is, whether it is a it is they're writing a document, they're trying to solve a problem. Unless you have like people a play a safe place where they can speak, where they can collaborate collaborate effectively, I think it's it's just going to hamper your inclusivity focus. So I think that would be like my first thing. The second thing that is I believe it's important is just cultural intelligence. It's really important for us to understand, like, you know, where somebody is coming from, you know, why somebody is not speaking up in a meeting or why somebody, you know, is sensitive to a, a certain topic. So I think like the more product, the more leaders can maybe talk to your product managers or even like work with some HR teams to bring in some training or some knowledge training around that topic about inclusivity of culture. I think that's really important. And I see a lot of companies doing that. But why it's important for the leader to do that is because people should like see them in action as well. What does it mean? And so perhaps like having a conversation, having one-on-one -on -one conversation about how to make sure that people understand what cultural intelligence really mean, I think is important. And I think the third thing important there is just cognizant of bias like, you know, we have, we actually, when we start work, especially like product managers, when we start working on something, we put these blinders on to like, you know, just hone in on a goal and just like we got to go deliver this. But then we, we often forget that, you know, we may have biases on, you know, different topics, different or, you know, we have different data points. So showcasing to others that, you know, it's important to, understand, first of all, acknowledge your own bias, but also admit and understand where others are coming from and leverage that data to make a decision, I think will play a very big role in how your teams are developed going forward. Sumeya, anything to add or uh, respond on that? Yeah, I completely agree with all these items. You know, I, I've been looking at a lot of, again, the research done in this area. And one of the things that's both encouraging and alarming is there are a lot of experimentation around what can be done in companies or in large groups to help with improving inclusiveness, decreasing bias, etc. And while there are a lot of experiments, there actually have been no effective ones really found or meaningfully effective ones found. And in fact, what they have found is the, the you know, for example, the work bias training that we all probably have seen is harmful. <laughs> not only does it not move the needle, but it actually creates polarization that ends up harming and creating, basically making people feel like, oh, we've addressed the issue of bias. And so they move on and actually not work on it. So and many other reasons there. But the part that I think is is still effective and and is always it will always work is what we've 
probably all seen through our anecdotal work, which is the one-on-one -on -one conversations, the humanization of others. So wherever we have, let's say, people on the team, new people, if we sense that there might be resistance between them, creating opportunities for people to talk one-on-one, -on -one, talk about origin stories or talk about childhood, things that have nothing to do with work, that generates an image or an uh, impression of the other person that's actually all human, all real, and it doesn't have to be the same, but you can relate to it at some level and just build that empathy. And when we say empathy, we're talking about caring and wanting to solve their problem or wanting to help them. This is something we do, for example, for our users. But when we're thinking about building our teams, we need to think about creating those relationships or those moments for people within our teams as well. We talk a lot about psychological safety. That's something I believe in. I think teams that have that, teams that can build trust between each other and take risks together, tend to be more inclusive as well. Because people care, truly care about each other's feelings and well-being. So those are the two things I think about. Now, we've promised that this conversation is relevant to aspiring product managers, new product managers, and people who've been product managers for years, maybe managing other product managers. Pooja, do you mind sharing a little bit about kind of a complex question, but what does inclusive leadership look like when you're leading with influence, not with authority? And how does it change as you then become a manager of product managers? Is that clear enough for you to dive into? Yeah, if I could reiterate the question, you're basically talking about how does it change when you move from an IC to a manager? Because you don't have like for an IC, you have like a indirect authority versus when you have direct authority. Yeah. And so maybe first start what inclusive leadership looks like when you don't have authority and then how your mindset or how your activities change once you do have that authority. Yeah, I think from an IC or like, you know, when you don't have that authority, and I'm going to talk like specifically from like when you're building products, right? It's really important to share the table with people who have diverse perspective. And why? Because like, you know, if products are built for everyone, why, you know, just focus on one person, build the product? Why not get everybody's thoughts involved? The challenge, however, there is that, you know, how much feedback can you get? Like, you know, as product managers, there's always a question about how do you, there's always more feedback than there is time to get get the product to the market. But, you know, what we have to remember is if we don't get these diverse perspectives, if we don't get to, let's say, get a document reviewed with our engineering counterparts or people who come from a different culture, you know, you're just missing out on rich nuggets that may be very useful in your product journey. As I mentioned in one of the examples that I gave before, the changes that we made to the product were like exceptional for the customers. So that's why, you know, you just don't want to miss those pieces of nuggets. And the more open you are, the more collaborative you are, the more you're listening, I think is important when you are like, you know, when you're an IC and leading with influence. I think the essence still remains the same when you're leading with authority, right? And I think when you are leading with authority, in fact, your responsibility increases, I believe, like hundredfolds. Because if you were earlier, you were responsible for your, you know, you or your product being more inclusive. Now you're responsible for building a culture of inclusivity. So as you become, as you transition into that leader, you want to make sure that you're inculcating that culture. You also want to make sure that you're, because you, you continue to work with like other stakeholders, Again, unblocking teams and continuing to move stuff forward. At that time also, you want to make sure that you are continuing to exercise inclusivity without authority, because a lot of the times you may not have it over other teams. So I would just say like, you know, just if I have to like bottom up on two things, I would say the main shift is like how much you inculcate that culture. I think it's really important when you move from an IC to manager. So, Pooja, I want to jump in on something here because while Jeff and I rarely talk about what I do for a living, I've been spending the last 10 years helping the world's biggest brands and product managers improve how they diversify their ability to listen. So you talked about feedback, maybe mm -hmm. from an internal perspective, but what can you do from a customer listening perspective to make sure 
that how you're listening is equally as diverse? Yeah, that's a great question. I think like, you know, when we think about user perspectives, right, there are like different type of user personas that we want to make sure that we get feedback from. But it's important to figure out like what is the workforce or what are the type of users that we may have ignored in the past, right? Because this is a I would say inclusivity has been a topic that we've been discussing for years, but I think it has come into light over the last couple of years only. And I think if you think from that perspective, you want to make sure that the customer group that you're reaching out to for feedback is diverse enough. And you can break that persona into like, you know, multiple areas. Like you could look at consumers of your product who use your product more often who are typically your best customers, but perhaps consumers who don't use your product that often. Like, and like going into digging a little bit deeper as to like, you know, why is it they're not using that product that often? So I think like getting to that, and I think perhaps can get you a little bit of more diverse perspective. Very helpful. Does that? (laughs) And and Pooja, maybe for the audience who's newer to some of these concepts of diversifying both how to do it in the organization, but more so a lot of people are newer to proactively collecting feedback because they're at different stages of Mm -hmm. of building cycles. What could be some recommendations or maybe better yet, people love stories. What example do you have from your past experience where you've tried this and has absolutely changed your perspective, right? You did what you just described and suddenly you found that pocket of ignored customers And what was the result of finding that pocket? Are you comfortable sharing a story like that? Yeah, I want to be sensitive to some of the work that I've I've done at Amazon, Mm -hmm. but I'll I'll give you an example, right, where it did change our perspective. So we were building a device that actually had it had some fonts. Let's just put it on, put it up there, and then like you know, to a normal eye, perhaps it's like very, very, very easily visible. But you know, when we did. Again, as I said, from accessibility standpoint, when we did some studies, it was that that font was like not easily readable. So, you know, it was very important for us to like get that feedback in and such that we changed the product because that work that we did was a one way door decision. Right. We couldn't change the font later on. So it was very, very important that we actually incorporate that change right in the product from the get go. And, you know, that's where our a lot of the times like our our again, depending on resources, our user research team was really helpful to bring in that perspective from the accessibility standpoint. Again, this is just one aspect of diversity. Diversity means a lot of different things. But, you know, this is the area that I focused on most in the, again, especially with Alexa in the last couple of years. Thank you so much for for providing that example and doing it in a very confidential way and respecting 100% how much you can share. Sumeya, same thing for you. What story do you have that follows that same direction, right? The idea of, and quoting Pooja on this, finding customers you've ignored in the past. What have you done to solve for that and what was the outcome yeah i'm i'm gonna talk about a very specific scenario this was for a very large retailer that's very familiar to us they have huge a huge uh, brick and mortar presence as well as online and they've done a lot of acquisitions over the past few years so this retailer as part of the purchase workflow they there is a button at the end to buy that you swipe to the right to ensure you're not a robot. Uh, So it was a feature that was developed and was working for almost a year. And then we got, you know, an email from someone who had complete disability, wheelchair bound. The only thing that they can use to click on or to basically navigate in a computer is their jaw. Think Steve Hawking's, you know, kind of scenario. And so we had to basically examine that feature because that was the only thing he couldn't do. With your jaw, you can't really do that movement. You can just click down and, you know, press something like one single movement. And so we had to, that was a design problem that we worked through and it was for exactly one user. But 
between the engineering and the design team, we were able to find a solution that then later on, we found out that it actually helped a lot of people who could not do the pressing. There are many other scenarios, people with other diseases, Parkinson's, others that are not able to do that kind of movement. So that's a very specific scenario, but it was real. Well, I, I think that having something as what you described to be specific is very important for this audience because every product, sometimes they assume everything's working great, but the front door or the back door to the product is, uh, <laughs> is preventing them from experiencing it in the first place. So very poignant example. I have to say, Jeff, you know, I'm looking at the clock right now, and this seems to be one of those opportune times to improve our inclusivity by giving people who are not on stage an opportunity to ask a question. So as a, a reminder to all those who are out there listening tonight, right now, live on the show, we are presenting you now with the opportunity to ask your questions. And if you're an expert on the topic, maybe share a story of of your own, where you found maybe some survivorship bias was existing within your company and you dug deep and found the solution that improved your customer's experience overall. Whatever it may be, the way to get on stage is pretty straightforward. One, don't be a bot. <laughs> Two, please click on the little hand raise button at the bottom of the Clubhouse user interface. It's just a little hand on top of a piece of paper. That's at least how it's drawn. And you click on that, your hand will be raised and we'll invite you on stage to ask questions. In addition, if you're someone who's shy, we always have people who'd prefer just to have us ask the questions on your behalf. Find me in Slack. Go ahead. It's just click on the link above our faces and Slack me your question. And you can also DM me right here in Clubhouse. If you're someone who's listening to a podcast, all I can say is sorry in advance for you not being able to come on stage and ask your question, but you're always welcome to join the Slack group and ask it to those who are hosting here tonight. Now, Jeff, I have someone raising their hand. I'd like to invite them up. And uh, as a Seattle Kraken fan, the fact that you, my friend, have the Kraken as your username is immediately putting you to the top of the stack. So Noah, please, what is your question and how can we help? Hey there. I started, I've been building products for a bit, but I've, but I don't really have like a really deep product management background. And I was wondering, what are some of your favorite resources for learning how to build user segments to build your user buckets as you're scaling out products? I think, Pooja, if it's okay, I'd like to point to you, because in our last conversation, we talked about segmentation. Are you comfortable jumping in? And please feel free to ask a clarifying question if you want to go deeper. Yeah, sure. Obviously, clarifying questions are not, not great, but I just want to be cognizant of the time. But, you know, when you're thinking about user segment, it just depends upon, obviously, what type of product you're building, right? And from that, like, you have to make sure that you are looking at personas that are using your products a lot, like the most common ones, and the ones that that probably will not be your core users, but perhaps there are some insights that you can draw from them that could be useful for the overall product as well. There are a couple of like books. I'm happy to like recommend them later on like building user personas and product management in general. Noah, does that help with your question? And if you have an additional one, we can always invite you back. But I uh, wanted to make sure you felt like you were heard. I definitely feel like I was heard. I didn't really get an answer, but I definitely feel like I was heard. <laughs> Can you DM me stuff or put stuff up in the uh, pin a link? That'd be super sweet. Can we have Somaya try to answer that question? I believe like, you know, you're more experienced in this forum. I can give a quick, like, we're building a product to help a search engine marketers look at their search data. And so we're building a product that's based on Google BigQuery and Google Data Studio and trying to build feature sets and price points and packaging around different user buckets, whether they're solo practitioners, agency clients, or, or large enterprise organizations. Yeah. And sort of thinking through that. So Noah, in the early days of a product, your segmentation is based on a set of hypotheses. You're going to develop, let's say, one or two personas maximum that you're going to say, hey, I'm going to start by focusing on these two personas. I'm going to do my user interviews, my, you know, my uh, validation of my prototype or my early product with. And 
from there, I'm going to go and adjust. But what you just said in your explanation of your product, you have a hypothesis around who you're building the solution for, right? 100%. Okay, great. Fantastic. So what is the segmentation you're looking for? Because there is further segmentation you can do once you actually have a product. For example, segmentation around the funnel, segmentation around the the workflow, the, the, you know, the user all the way from onboarding down to retention. And so, yeah, I'm curious about the actual segmentation you're interested in. Those are really good, great points. I guess the confusing part to me was really just like how to processize the activity of coming up with, with segments. Cause I have a, I have a, a pretty clear sense of who the different user buckets are, but yeah. I was trying to think through how to price accordingly. Yep. And I've done tons of user interviews. I've gotten, good. you know, I've talked to like 200 people and done live demos with 200 people, you know, we're, we're definitely getting traction, but it's not like hyper growth or anything like that. But onboarding we found is, is the challenge. And so we're trying to think through like how to segment users to kind of navigate that. Like, are we pricing it way too low based on how difficult the onboarding is, assuming we can get the onboarding as simple as possible? Yeah, I think there are certain guidelines around price points and onboarding. So although some of those guidelines go out the window when you think about a product like Superhuman, that's $35 a month, and yet you get actually that white glove service where the founder or someone on the team spends 30 minutes with you, just onboarding you. So there are guidelines. You know, if you search around that online, you'll see some, especially if it's a SaaS product, actually Sester has really good articles on this, where they break down the types of pricing and the, the expected onboarding from, the, from a user for example. But what I'm hearing you also say is that that's one problem. And then you have other things you also want to solve for just to determine what is the right pricing for different segments, not just based on onboarding, but based on what is the segment willing to pay. Is that what I heard? No, I want to only be sensitive to the time because there's a lot of questions here. But uh, I, I'm happy that I asked to clarify if you heard, not only felt heard, but it answered it. Sumea is available in the Slack chat. I would highly recommend jumping in there. Saster is one great resource. There are so many out there. And then based on today's topic, as you continue to ask for feedback, please make sure that you are taking the test of avoiding survivorship bias in the questions you're asking. Maybe read the mom test. And ultimately, just to make sure you're building an inclusive product is all I can say. And it sounds to me like you're early enough where the changes you make today will impact your future of doing what we hope you'll set out to be doing, which is creating a perfectly inclusive, great product that customers will love. So Noah, thank you for a great question. And uh, hopefully the Kraken is a Seattle reference, though I see a Boston hat. I have to ask, is it a Seattle reference, my friend? I was given the nickname the Kraken by colleagues. <laughs> well, I can and, only And help. I'm not an evil person, but it has to do with how I work with APIs. Ah, well, we can geek out on that another day, but I'm sure. hoping that you have a more successful career than Kraken's first year, and I'm a fan, <laughs> so I can say that. Now, moving on to future questions, we actually have questions in the chat room, as we're seeing below. You know, I have to say, I'm scrolling through them to try to find what I can in the chat, but all I do is I'm picking apart and want to say thank you for those leaning in. We have someone on stage who's been waiting very patiently. Isra Bala, hopefully I'm saying your name correctly. You are on stage and here to let us know how we can help you. What is your question? To be honest, just to improve my knowledge, I joined in this room. It's not of a particular reason about it. I'm just a sweet 16 plus 44 years of experience. I'm 60 now. I'm lost touch with 10 years of market experience. Right now, I'm working in a medical field. Actually, I'm basically an acupuncture doctor. So I've written around 11 books so far. My intention to write around 100 books in before end of this year, just to brush up my knowledge of marketing, because I lost touch around 10 to 12 years of marketing touch. Just I would like to know where the world is going on regarding the market. That's the reason why I joined this room. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for making it important to, for us to spend a minute just validating why we have this room is that no one should feel like being a product manager is hard and is impossible at any age, of any color, of any race, of any background, of any part of this planet. 
So for one, hopefully we've given you some nugget to be able to become what you want to be in the world of product. Is there a specific question though that we can help level it up besides just continuing the conversation, knowing that you're on stage? This is an opportunity for us to help you specifically. So be selfish if you can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is that question of selfish. See, already I, as I said, I attached 60. See, basically my research is how to, how do we give life to the dead body? Yeah, I have to apologize. There is so much feedback coming from your background that I don't think I can do service in giving you what you need. Do me a favor, and uh, it looks like we just lost him. So if anyone's if anyone's out there listening to this, oh my goodness, we don't want to lose anybody. If you're hearing me and you're still out there off stage, please just DM me so I can represent your question. Now, we have someone else who has asked a question, and I'm reading it out loud from the chats. How do you justify the impact for only one user. Ooh. How do you justify the impact for only one user? That is all we have to work off of. And I'd like to put it out there, Pooja, where do we start with this question? Because it's coming through a chat, there's not much I can do to clarify on it other than attempt to answer it live. And Pooja, I think from my perspective, I think it's also around what you've said about who are we excluding. And so maybe you hear that you're excluding one person. How do you build a, a larger story around that as well? Yeah, I don't think like building a product around like that one person is perhaps like what this is targeted as. I think it's probably about a, a smaller user segment, right? So I'm going to go back to like, you know, some of the accessibility stuff that we talked about earlier, like in product management, we typically have like an 80-20 rule, right? We want to make sure that we are, our product is serving the maximum customer base, that we have the maximum time possible. But, you know, if the product is impactful for a particular segment, right, perhaps you do want to prioritize, prioritize for that segment. It is possible that that's perhaps not your go-to-market. That's not your P0, but it is possible that it is in your roadmap. So the fact is, and, and as I said before, like you want to make sure that you're, what is it that as part of that community that you want to extract out that perhaps can be leveraged for like the larger community, for like your larger customer base. I think that, that part is important rather than just focusing on, I just want to build a product for that particular user base. I would say then perhaps like you just want to build a different product altogether. But when you're talking about inclusivity, I would say like getting the nuggets and see how it can be leveraged for like a larger population, I think is super important. Hopefully that answers the question from the audience. I'm glad we're, we're seeing new features. I don't know if it was one person who wanted chat within Clubhouse, the audio only platform. Wish we can go on and on about that, right? Wasn't that their vision, the audio only platform? And now we have chat here. But hopefully that answered that chat question. Pooja, I'm going to take over here. I think we're out of time for audience questions. I do want to give you some more chance to dive deeper into some of the things you've talked about. Is there any other takeaways that you would offer to somebody who is maturing into a, a leadership role in a product organization? They want to be inclusive, but don't quite know how. Is there anything that you'd want to add or dive deeper into from what we've talked about so far? Sorry, just took myself out of mute. Yeah, I think like, you know, as you're growing in your career, it means, you know, one rule uh, for growth, I would say, is like making sure, as I said before, making sure that you are spending time in hiring. Right. And where I wanted to like focus a little bit is like, you know, this where we have this time where we have emphasis on remote work is the best time that you can get a diverse set of talent. And we are not only talking about like, you know, within perhaps not within even United States, you can get talent worldwide at this time because of this focus on remote and what COVID has taught us. So if there was one nugget that I can give is that like, you know, focus on diversifying your team so that you don't have to look far for the perspectives that you were looking for as you're building more products. All right. Thank you. And I have to say, uh, since we're talking about diversifying teams, for those of you who that resonates with, and, and Pooja and I did not work on this setup in advance, the University of Washington has launched the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, which is empowering professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first product management role. It's important because we want to see not just more diversity at any one company, but we want to see more diversity in product management as a whole. And we've got 140 
people across the fall, winter, and spring cohort. Some of them have masters, some of them have MBAs, some of them are in program management or customer success. But the one unifying theme is that they are hungry, they are experienced, in, they have professional experience, and they've been deemed ready uh, to be product managers by the expert product manager reviewers. So they are carefully selected, rigorously trained, and they will be continuously supported because the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator is a family for life. So if anybody listening is inspired by what Pooja is saying about attracting a diverse team, I'd love for you to connect with the fellows in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator and hire them because they're ready. And we've seen them get hired at Workday, Microsoft, Walmart, Comcast. I could go on and on and they could be hired at your company as well. Sumeya, sorry, I I just couldn't resist that plug there. Um, But do you have anything to add on the topic of inclusive leadership or to build upon what Pooja was saying? No, I love it, Jeff. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think the center has created a great group of talented product managers. So I'm happy that you talked about that. I wanted to bring up something really important around hiring, because I think uh, regardless of level, even as an IC, PMs get involved in hiring other PMs. You know, will you do peer interviews? A lot of the hiring practices now involve ICs also interviewing other ICs. So I think one thing that we all can do, whether as managers, leaders, and the word leader, of course, applies to everyone. You don't have others reporting to you to be a leader, is to make, you know, put a finer point on what Pooja said, is to impact the hiring process. Ensure that hiring is about alignment on values, that, you know, we value drive and energy around the mission and accountability rather than experience. I think we have, this is another area where we have plenty of research. There was a meta research done on 80 other research papers, and they found essentially that the correlation between experience and, you know, being effective in the role uh, was almost zero. And so I think some of the old paradigms that we've had need to move (laughs) and need to be eliminated actively. And I think product managers can be really part of that because we are data driven in a lot of our decision making. So let's make sure we do that in every aspect. And then the second thing is, this is another research paper that I read recently. And basically it said the most biased people are people who actually think they are the least biased. And so I check myself often and periodically about what biases do I have? What am I bringing to the table? And bias is actually important to our survival as humans. Otherwise, we get overloaded with data and we can't function. (laughs) But I think it's important for us as PMs to take the time and, you know, some energy into periodically thinking through some of these biases because we need to influence people in, uh, in, you know, within our teams, but we also get to make so many directional decisions that impact others. And I think we sometimes underestimate what we can do there. And the last point here, I think inclusiveness is actually an active word saying that you hear everyone or you include you you allow everyone to have a say is not enough inviting people welcoming them giving them a sense of belonging is actually an active thing you have to work on for example jeff is actually someone really good at this he reaches out to people periodically and includes them in things and invites them to participate where their voice is elevated so uh, i wanted to give you a shout out around that jeff i know i appreciate it a lot so people who do that it takes them time it takes them effort it doesn't just happen so those are people to be appreciated. And I think part of that equation is this question of privilege, which a lot of people say, you know, I've also had to work very hard at where I am. I didn't come from privilege, etc. But I think we need to shift our thinking around that and move to thinking about what impediment is this person facing that I didn't have to face? And how can I give them a helping hand or, you know, share my knowledge with them to allow them to move forward too? So there is a lot there (laughs) at the end, but thank you for giving me the space to say this. 
Thank you for making this space. <laughs> this has been, uh, Sumeya, your dedication to sharing knowledge and creating spaces for fantastic conversations has been unparalleled. Really appreciate it. And uh, Pooja, I want to be respectful of your time. So it's time for concluding thoughts. Anything that you want to make sure that you leave the audience with, whether that's giving some bullet points or expanding upon anything you said or just summarizing, it's, it's up to you. How do you want to conclude? Any concluding thoughts you want to leave with the audience with? Yeah, for one concluding thought, I think it's very important to be humble and to be aware of your bias so that you can act on it. All right. I allocated three minutes. That was short and to the point. Excellent. <laughs> Sumeya or Pooja, anything else to add before we close this out? This was great. I love it. Pooja, do you have any thought leaders you follow here? Because I think this is still nascent in terms of research and just learning. Yeah, most like instead of like thought leaders, I do a lot of like, you know, HBR articles, which actually talk about like inclusive workforce, as well as just, you know, inclusivity in general. And, you know, there was like, I think that I read an article that actually talked about like, you know, only 31% of employees believe that their leaders are inclusive, right? So that just, that just talks about like, you know, that this topic is something that just needs more and more attention. You know, where I means when I was at Amazon and even here at Providence, like this is a very high priority. We talk a lot about it and there is a lot of action going on. But to your point, Sumaya, like, you know, are we doing enough, right? Like is training hurting or harming us? Like there are so many open questions that, you know, still need to be answered. And completely with you there. I'm thinking of the John Doerr book, you know, the one called Measure What Matters. Well, the thing that surprises me still in this area is that we still don't have good measures or sophisticated measures around this. Maybe it's because we're still in the early days, but I think there is a there is a hesitation from a lot of companies to talk about this problem in a meaningful way and to also act on it like with the speed it deserves. I say this, but I think we're all part of the solution or part of the problem. We get to choose what we want to do here. I love this conversation. I love the energy that uh, both of you are bringing to it. Thank you so much for being here. Red, I don't mean to skip you. It's time for you. Any concluding thoughts that you want to leave the audience with? I appreciate, first and foremost, people coming up on stage. And I hope that every Tuesday, 4 p.m., you join us here again as a safe place where you can ask questions and ultimately find your entry point into the product management community. That's it, Jeff. Being selfish, just saying, come on back and ask us questions and let us know where we can help. All right. Well, if you enjoyed hearing from Pooja and Sumeya, both of them will be speaking at the Inclusive Product Management Summit, May 20th and May 21st. Both of them are going to be speaking within the topic of embedding inclusion throughout a product organization. Uh, we've got a fantastic slate of topics, speakers, and networking opportunities, and really excited to see who we bring together and the impact we can make together. Shout out to Microsoft, who is a uh, uh, planning to, to be a, a sponsor on the Inclusive Product Management Summit. And uh, shout out to Pooja and Sumeya, who are speakers and who I think, hopefully somebody in the audience, I think they've earned a nomination for the Inclusive Product Management Champions that we're, we're recognizing leaders who are inspiring a better future. And we want to hear from you who is doing that. So if Sumeya, Pooja, hopefully they'll be nominated. And hopefully there's somebody else. Uh, some, there's many people out there who've been inspiring you. And, and we want to we know them and put a spotlight on them and celebrate them uh, when we all gather together because I don't want to say it's hard work but it does take a retraining of, of one's brain and, and it takes an effort to really foster inclusion and we want to make sure that those who are doing that are energized to keep going and that could just be inclusively sharing their knowledge that could be creating new pathways to product management whatever that looks like to you we want to hear it but we want to really energize and promote the champions the people who are really fighting for a better future so thank you Pooja thank you Sumeya thank you Red an absolute pleasure thank you everybody for listening we'll be right back here on Clubhouse next week with another episode of How to Succeed in Product Management and if you enjoyed this conversation and want to dive deep into all the resources they talked about like keep listening and do it on playback and slow-mo, you could download this, How to Succeed in Product Management on every major podcasting platform. Uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Take care. <laughs>